We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Guys who combined to play 15 seasons in the National Football League trenches. Well, two guys. And Mackie, who didn't do shit. He just, he just sits there and looks pretty. This is the O-Line Committee. A, a, a third. A, a third. A two-thirds of the O-Line Committee. There. Oh. <laughs> Hello, Alex. Hello, guys. How are you? Sun's out, guns out this week in the Twin Dude. Cities, man. Hot as hell. I love it. Outside, got our championship game tonight, 11U. Boys finished second in the state. Wow. Wow. Let's go. By the way, by the way, can I just say, I heard all the sexist comments from all the guys like, yo, are you really coached by a chick? I was like, yeah, it's my wife. This is awkward, (laughs) isn't it? God damn. Why do we, listen, my mom coached all of my youth baseball teams, and she was awesome, too. Like People need to pump the brakes on that stuff. Everybody's like, is that really a woman? Is she the head coach? Yeah. yeah, it's my wife, dude. Chill out. Damn right. right? Yeah, you teaching these kids how to throw, uh, how to, you know, you, like teaching them with the weighted ball, get the velocity up as 11-year-olds. Hey, we did throw some sliders. last night for the last day off, off the tee, and it was so fun to watch the boys try to hit as hard as they could to get that velo out of control. Like, it was, we had so much fun. I'll tell you what, she, like, I think about my football practices, and I'm really harsh. Like, I don't ever find time to have fun, but she is always like, we got to have fun today somehow. So she's like, last practice, we're going to do all these games, have all this fun. Dude, the boys had a blast. I ended up having a blast. I was hitting off the velo. I was like, this is insane. Dude, we should have played baseball. We should have. It, it is a different I'm, I'm telling you, bro. I think you guys could have hit some bombs as baseball players. Oh, I, don't, sure, I don't have great rotation. You're, you just you don't trust them. No, you're, you're trying to. No. Don't, don't have You'd great have been rotation. a phenomenal first baseman, dude. <laughs> phenomenal. Just yeah, dude. Thump, my, golf game, my golf game thump. says otherwise. Yeah. Teach you how to do the splits at when first base. When you coming base. up to play, bro? Let's go. Let's get the well, sticks. I'll be up. I'll be up soon. I'll be Come up. on now, man. Let's do it. All right. Talk to us. Gentlemen. It's time for another Dumb Football Questions episode here of O-Line Committee. By the way, thank you guys for helping us get to 4,000 YouTube subscribers. We've got the uh, Apple Podcast feed and the Spotify Podcast feed up and running. So if you could just help us grow the channels here by uh, giving us a subscribe click or on the podcast front, a five-star rating and a positive review, we can keep growing this thing as we head into the season. Happy training camp week. I don't know if it gives you guys PTSD or not, but uh, training camp is here. And my first dumb football question is actually... So usually we pull these from the audience, and we have a couple from the audience, but I have one just that I'm curious about. So uh, Cowboys offensive guard, elite offensive guard Zach Martin is holding out. He's one of a few players that are holding out, high-profile players, seeking a a restructured contract. So 
I guess my question, you can answer this on behalf of like your thoughts on Zach Martin specifically, but also just like generally speaking, how do players in the locker room, teammates of the player who's holding out, generally feel about that? Go ahead, Alex, because I never it's, held out. It's great. So <laughs> did you, you did you hold out? Your boy An was entire training camp. An entire training with the Niners. With the Niners. Listen, I'm going to tell you the whole story. Listen, Linda, and I'm glad you brought this up because I held out back when you could actually not show up, and they didn't get like they would tell you fifty grand a day, and you can't and you can't make it up on the back end now. Here's how it works: when I did it, you could hold out, and at the end, they rescinded all the fines because everybody before us rescinded all their fines. So that's how you have to follow the trend, right? And so, the when you miss mandatory minicamp, you get fined by the league. You get that fine. It's an $88,000 fine. I remember looking at my check like, yo, I didn't agree to this. And they were like, the league says that they don't care. Because <laughs> you missed a mandatory mini camp, you will get fined this money, which is fine. But I remember my teammates sent me pictures every day of the fine board of mine. And like after two weeks, it's like $250,000 fine. They're all sitting there laughing at it like, dude, you're about to get fined so much money. It better be worth it. But it's funny because like, as you're talking to your agents and they're talking to the team, they're trying to work things out and they're trying to do all those things. And they're like, listen, you know, we're not going to fine you at the end of this. Like we have to make it look like we are going to, but at the end we will rescind everything as long as we come to terms on everything. And you're like, yeah, my biggest argument was the minute the players got rid of that, they lost all their leverage. You have officially lost your leverage because saying, when you say I'm holding out, you're like, I'm never going to play football again. I'm willing to give it up forever. I'm not paid correctly, and I'm not treated right. Like, this is not going to happen. I see everybody else getting paid a ton of money, and they don't do shit. This will not happen. And mine, mine happened, though, because the team came to me and was like, we want to extend you. We want to offer you this huge – like, I was like, all right, sweet, let's do it. But it was in the middle of the season. I was like, listen, let's finish the season. I want to just focus on football. Like, talk to Jay about whatever you're doing, whatever, whatever. And then at the end of the year, they were like, we want to get this done. And I was like, okay, cool. And I went away to train. And then when I came back, they were like, hey – Never mind, we're not gonna do it. I was like, dude, what's going on? Like, I'm one of, the, I'm like the lowest paid guard in the league. And, and this is coming off your rook, your rookie deal, right? No, was, in, this was coming your... off my uh, second. This was after I signed an extension to be the uh, swing tackle. And then that camp I came in, they were like, Staley called me a day before and was like, hey, they're gonna move you to guard, just to let you know. And so then I came in and started at guard forever and then it was like three years after that and i was like hey man i gotta get something and they were like yeah we agree and then all of a sudden at the end it was like it was me and bulky going back and forth and him just kind of and he really was like they try to berate you the whole time like they're just talking down to you the whole time and it's like really bad and it's like you want to go to war with us this is how it is and it's like listen man like i don't need to do all this so i ended up staying away um but there were other circumstances like people were in my corner that probably shouldn't have been that were like, yo bro, no matter what we have your back on this. Like we appreciate you holding out and doing all this and you should deserve this. So I was like, all right, I guess I'm gonna have to do it. And so I stayed away 30 days, came back, um, signed the new deal and was good to go. And to be fair, I offered cause I had like three deal years left on my deal. I was like, listen, just let me play this year at minimum and I will donate every check to charity. So I'll play for free. And they were like, Ooh, that's a good idea because it's good publicity for everybody, right? Like everybody's like, oh, we're going to redo this deal, but it's a one-year deal and he's going to donate it all to charity for, just to get out of this contract. And it was going to go through and then they were like, no, that's not – we can't – with that That sounds too smart for Boone. Like what's going on over here? Wait, so your, so like your goal was you wanted to hit free agency after the season? Free, yes. Okay. I just wanted to get to free agency. And the problem was I didn't want to leave Frisco. 
I loved Harbaugh. I loved the way he did things. I loved the culture out there. I loved my teammates. I loved everything about it. Like I was like, I want to be here, but I want to be paid fairly. And my biggest thing was I was the starting right guard and I backed up both tackles. So I, at times, like I played Robert Quinn the year he had 22 sacks at left tackle after starting the game at right guard. And in the fifth play, Joe went down. I had to go play left tackle. And it's like, there's a big discrepancy here. I'm getting paid like 300000 This guy's getting paid $25 million. You want me to go out here and do what? They're like, just do you, bro. Just do you. Ended up beating his ass. And I was like, all right, where's mine? And they were like, we got you. We got you. And then when it came time to be like, we got you, they were like, we don't got you. And I was like, that's not fair business. That ain't cool. And then there were some things said about like, you know, you should take this deal. It's good for someone like coming from your family. And I was like, Oh, oh yeah. I know nobody just said that about my family. So I was like, now it just became personal. But and you guys, was- you guys must be like, and I, 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 it bothers me when I hear fans rag on the players. I'll almost always give players, NFL players, a pass on this because you, your career could be over in a in a blink if the wrong guy rolls up on you. Oh yeah. So I don't know how Jeremiah, you chime in here, but like, if you feel like, hey, I might only be able to do this for another couple years or a year or five years or whatever it is, I want to maximize this for my family. I yeah. generally, as a fan media guy, don't have a problem with that. Where are you at, Jeremiah? I'm somewhere in the middle because, you know, I, I agree. You should be paired, You should be paid fairly. You should do all those things. But you also have to understand, like, the market gets reset every single year. Like, I mean, look, I promise you within the next 20, 12 to 24 hours after Justin Herbert's contract signed, Joe Burrow's going to come out and it's going to be even bigger, mm-hmm. right? And so you, when you sign, and the Cowboys are notorious for this, for signing long deals, right? Which is why Zach Martin's deal comes to play. I think it was a six-year or five-year deal, right? Like, so they're notorious for signing long-term deals because they want to lock you in to this market so that in four years, if you're still playing at an unreal level, you've got two years left on your contract and you signed it right that's what they're going to say they're going to say you signed it and so for me it's kind of back and forth like yes there is a very much need you should get paid as much as you want but you have to understand the risks that are inherent of signing those long-term deals is the market's going to keep getting reset guys are going to keep getting paid more and more money and you kind of have to play through it at times because like boone said once we took the in the cba and we took the holdouts out where they can't rescind those fines like you you as a player don't have a lot of leverage unless you're truly willing to sign a check every 24 hours for fifty thousand dollars a day it's a lot of money dude that's a lot like of money. that adds up really really fast really really fast, really fast. i think and, at the end of it you get you get penalized like 1.9 million was the total fine if you miss they, all of camp yeah, if you miss all of camp it's almost like two games. million it's if you miss games, and you got to remember that's post tax. That's fine. Yes. That, that's yeah. that's pre tax. That's pre tax. Yeah. It is. They take like, that right out of your check. They take that oh. right out of your check, right? Like, how, how about the the so the I mean the running back market has been talked about you know the last couple of years and and there's like ten or twelve top running backs that hopped on a Zoom call a couple of days ago like okay how can we band together and put a stop to this and get rightfully paid right and like a day later Saint Quan Barkley says you know actually. Uh, I I'm think gonna I'm, just gonna, uh, I'm just going to. I'm just going to sign this. See, give me like, give me like think, another hey, million listen, dollars. Listen, I think they, it went they, the other way. I think the call went the other way. I think the call was more along the lines of like, "Hey, this isn't getting fixed this year." Like, and hey, we watched what happened to Le'Veon Bell. We right. watched him oh, sit out of football for an entire year, come back, be trash, got paid, but now he's not in the league. Well, like, he did box Adrian Peterson for a couple bucks uh, last year. So yeah, but like, so. like. I think they kind of were like, listen, we're not going to fix this. And and this is where I have a really hard time because I can 100% see the team's perspective on a running back. 
one yeah, billion percent. Unfortunately. Like, I can see it, right? You have a guy that balls out as a rookie, like Saquon said. We get punished for being good, right? You ball out as a rookie on your rookie deal, and now you're like, all right, my turn to ring the cash register, my turn to get mine. I want my four-year big-time extension. But tell me a running back that's elite in year eight. Like, it just doesn't yeah. happen. They take such a beating over and over and over again. That like you as a team can't say I'm going to pay this guy twenty million, eight, nineteen million a year for the next four years because you just know the production's not going to be there, and you got to pay other positions. Like I think they were like, listen, get what you can, make the most out of it, and then like try again next year because it's just one of those things that the market's not going to change for running backs just because of the beating in which they take. And Jay just said it: the market's not going to change. So if I'm Miami, I know that if I offer five, the Patriots aren't going to offer fifteen. You know what I'm saying? Like the market will never just jump up like crazy. So everybody's sitting back going, Hey, we're not paying our running backs. And everyone else like, yeah, we aren't either. So everyone's like, okay, well then the market just dropped completely. It's like the stock market, right? Everyone just pulled out. But also too, think about where this, these offenses are trying to go. They're trying to go to this air. They want to throw the ball. They want their quarterbacks to be elite. They have to find a reason to pay them 500 million. Well, why are we paying one guy 500 million to throw it? And then another guy, a hundred million to run it. Like that's the entire cap of our team guys. Like eventually, this is just kind of the natural process, right? Like we saw the fullback position started to die, and now all of a sudden the running back position is becoming more of this scat back. Can he catch a ball out of the backfield? Can he do all these things? Can he line up at receiver? Can he do all these things? Like it's just, it's growing. And I feel bad for the running backs because I do we too. know how valuable I do they too. are. I, feel I know awful. how important they are, and to find one is so hard. But when no one's willing to pay them, the market will not rise. Like even if they all, if the top guys were to be like, we're not going to play. You might see the Titans jump up and be like, "All right, well, we'll pay our guy." I mean, there's a few else- there's a few reasons for that too. They point back to things like Todd Gurley. They point yeah. back to guys like Melvin Gordon. Right? There's guys that have signed big-time deals and then their bodies just fall apart, right? The the new analytic that's running around the league and this analytic and we've heard it a lot from the agent side of it is the one that's running rampant and one of the main drivers of the running back market fall is there's a stat out now that it's four years or 400 carries. Whichever comes first is when Oof. you start to see the drastic decline of a running back. Wait, 400 total carries? 400 total touches in the NFL, right? 400 total touches in the NFL, right? So you're talking about if a guy plays his rookie year, his rookie contract, or he carries the ball 400 times. Whichever comes first, the stat is astronomically like looking at it if it's just a gradual drop off from there there's the few anomalies right there's the christian mccaffrey's there's a few of those guys but you gotta remember christian's missed like entire years yeah based off of being hurt right Right. like so that's the that's the main driver of that and also guys are seeing like hey i'll just draft a running back in the fourth through the seventh round every single year and eventually one's going to be the next aaron jones from green bay right one of them's going to end up being the next austin eckler right like you just have to keep taking shots at it and then that's why the market's also like there's plenty of guys that'll go play running back. Right. Like, there's plenty of them. It just sucks that the guys that – Saquon's exactly right. If you do really well and you're a workhorse and you get pounded for four years and killed, you're not going to get paid. It, you know, just, as, it sucks. The, as the, uh, we brought this up on our on Purple Daily, my other podcast. We, we're talking about, like, the Dalvin Cook situation. Yeah. And, you know, he's still sitting out there as we record this. The Vikings have kind of done this for 15 years. Adrian Peterson was this highly paid, and he's one of the greatest of all time – you know, as a runner, um, but you also couldn't play him on third down, which is a discussion. And then Dal- Dalvin Cook was more of a three down back. But the- here's a crazy thing. 
So the Vikings, before Adrian Peterson, uh, one of their sort of running back by committee guys was Moeldy Moore. And then he went on to Pittsburgh. Moeldy Moore is not, he's not like a 200-carry bell cow guy. But Moeldy Moore averaged the same yards per carry with the Vikings over four years as Adrian Peterson did. And so I'm not saying Peterson's a better, or I'm not saying Moeldy's a better running back than Peterson. I'm saying offensive line, scheme, there's so many things that go into a running game the running back's value, even if he's putting up 1,500 yards every year, sort of gets like stuck in the spin cycle of, well, if we have a great offensive line and a great you know run game coordinator or something, well, I mean, right. we can, look, we, you can't plug any, we can't plug a, a guy like me in, but like you can plug in a professional Dallas. running back. Right? Dallas had Zeke for how many years? He was great, yeah. and then he kind of fell off. They bring in Tony Pollard, and he picks right up where he left off. Right? right. Like, is that because Zeke got old and slow, or is it because? He's not very good, right? It's a combination of the two, but it's also like Tony Pollard's young, quick, spry, really good offensive line in front of him. Like, so he had a lot of success. Yeah. Right? That's that's what people view the running back position as right now. Yeah. But uh, to right, go qu- back to your question, I don't think anybody in Dallas is like yelling at Zach Martin to show up. You know what I'm saying? Like, eventually, as a teammate, you have to sit back and be like, "Listen, that's his business. You, that's the one thing you can never do, and that should be noted: is you're not allowed to jump into anyone else's business. No, ever. Like, if somebody's holding out and you call them and you're like, man, this is bullshit. You're going to get your ass beat. Like stay out of my business. I didn't ask you to come in here. You have no idea what's going on. You don't know what happens behind closed doors. And that's why everybody's always just kind of like laughs about stuff and just kind of makes the funny jokes about it. They try to mess with you, but nobody would care. Yeah. Okay. So that yeah, great stuff there. Little six, little 16 minute uh, question one to start with. Love it. So, uh, you know, this is, I like this one because sometimes it does feel like, you know, fans get lost in the vernacular of, of football conversation. So D Nolson, uh, D Noslin chimes in here on the O-line committee, YouTube comment section from a dumb high school center. He says, what the hell is 11 or 12 personnel? Mm, what do those numbers it. mean? Did a center just stop it? That? He's in high school. Stop okay, it. Okay. I didn't hear that. I thought he's he in said high he's school. In college. <laughs> he's I, in high school. school. Okay, so 11, okay. 12, 23, 20, 13, like when, 22, what does so, all that crap mean? Yeah, Jay. Fantastic. Yep. So when we say personnel, right, that's called personnel. So the number system is you're saying how many running backs. Wait, let me get this right. 21, two backs. No, you want me to explain it to the audience? I can Stop it. it. The first number is how many running backs are on the yes. field. The second number is how many tight ends are on the field. R then right? than T. Yes. Right. Right. So if you say. And running le- backs includes fullbacks, right? Yes. Just backs. Right, okay. I mean backs. If right? you want so them to I, be the F position and the R position, like that's why this gets a little complicated. But Jay, I'll tell you. Very simple, right? So if you want to say, "Hey, eleven personnel, one running back, one tight end, usually three receivers," right? Is that math? So we're usually subtracting the math from five total skill position players most of the time. Yes. correct. But there's jumbo the packages, right? So well, then, like, so flip it. You could go twenty-three, two backs, three tight ends. Right, so it's always based off of back tight end is the is the way you go, and the reason we use those is because you can have different types of formations, right? You can have you can have twenty one pony, right, which is two fast running backs instead of a back and a fullback, right? So there's 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 vernaculars to it, right? Like you and when you can have ten personnel, right? Just just uh, zero tight ends, right? All receivers, 
one right? There's all the way one running back, right? And then you have 01 personnel, which is no running backs and all – like so it really just dives into that. But the biggest reason to know that is because that's going to tell you what kind of defense you're facing, Boom. right? You're going to have sub-defense or you're going to have base defense, right? So a sub-defense means they take one linebacker off the field, so now there's only two true linebackers on the field, and they bring in a nickel corner. If you have base defense against 12, 21, 22, 13 – you're going to have your big defense end, so there's three linebackers on the field, and they take out one of the corners, right? So that's what the, the formations and that's when the, um, the personnel really comes into play is just identifying who you're going against on the defensive side of the ball. So basically the minute you come in and the, the receiver's like, hey, 11 personnel, somebody will be looking to their sideline to be like, yep, sub's coming in. Or if it's like – because a lot of times 11 is a true sub defense. Like you're going to pass the ball. Very rarely you're going to run it. But at the same time, like a 12 – or a 21 could get you caught in the middle. So that's when it's important to know, do we have two tight ends out here? Or do we have two running backs out here? Because that could two running backs could keep a nickel defense out there. Two tight ends could bring their base back out. And that's when it's like it plays into different worlds. We have different calls mm-hmm. for sub than we do base. And it gets even crazier because in a 3-4 base, when they go nickel, the nose leaves. So now all of a sudden the ends become the tackles, the outside linebackers become the ends. Like everybody flips roles. So you have to know what everybody's labeled. And that's why it's like if you come in as a fullback, you could have the same job as another play as tight end. But it, sometimes it changes our call or where you're lined up. And that's why it's important. We always have to know who's on the field and who's behind us. And the last thing I'll say for this is it's really important in the run game installs. Right, so on Wednesday morning, we'll get our run game install for the week, right? And we'll say, hey, these are our base runs, right? So these are our base runs out of 12, 21, 22, 13. And that's one package. And it's like, okay, and then these are our sub runs, right, out of 11, right? So it's two completely different run packages because you're facing two completely different run defenses, right? So that's where that for that's where the personnel really comes into play on that stuff. Are those so the, the, the in terms of like the numbering of the personnel packages, is that straight across all no. offensive systems? Nope. No, because some people I, so use I, code I, words. One of yes. my one of my first like I covered I covered the Vikings beat like 10, 12 years ago when Brad Childress had a West Coast system installed. Yep. And I feel like they were using words like Eagle and Detroit. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. What does also, that so what does that mean? That just that means Detroit's twelve personnel. Right. Okay. Some some teams just use words instead of numbers. Like that's just because that's what that coaching tree is used to, right? It was Detroit, Philly, New England, like all of those meant the personnel grouping, it just uses words instead of numbers. BA used to use um, playing cards. So it was always like clubs or diamonds or hearts or spades, you know. And, and two, when you go, like, when you bring an offensive lineman into it, you never throw a number system in with that. That's normally like a code word. So, like, jumbo, you see guys up here, like, throwing their arms up. That's a jumbo. That means that the offensive lineman, extra O lineman, is going to run out there. Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. it's because it's not normally like a, a, Normally, it only happens down by the goal line. It could happen on third down, but it's not a normal, like, every down. Hey, we're at 11. Let's go. So it's like everyone's got to let everyone know, hey, we're in jumbo, jumbo, report. A lot of things happen. It's crazy. Yeah, because jumbo, you have to re- you have to report eligible oh, to yeah. that was right. official, right? I was yeah. the jumbo tight end my last two years. Oh, yeah. Jumbo, Did you ever catch a pass? Jumbo. Did you catch a pass? No. God, no. In practice? In practice, yes. Every every Friday, we'd run our stupid little play, <laughs> and they'd throw it to me, you and i catch it. You no, I, I never wanted the ball in the game ever, dude. I had ever. so much tape on. No, never wanted. <laughs> oh, you should have seen clubs. his hands. They were and like your jacked up fingers, it. dude. Yeah. Oh! It. The ball, the ball could lodge in there, you know. Yeah, yeah, that was as much I tape as I had on it, dude. <laughs> as much tape as I had on. My brother used to call oh. me the Ninja Turtle because I just yeah. both both gloves were like that. 
uh, Donatello out there just trying yeah. to. It's the worst when they ask you a question. They're like looking at you all like this. You're like, God, dude, that has to be The so worst annoying. is when you when you blow a shoelace or like your shoe comes <laughs> untied, to and you're trying your to shoes. tie your shoes with like four fingers. Oh, it's a, you're just like yell at the equipment guy, like because you can't get it back on because like you can't like fit your finger in to like push it back. Oh yeah, it's a disaster. That's where our friends at New Balance are going to come in with some vel- <laughs> some Velcro offensive Boom. lineman cleats, perhaps maybe. Uh, all right, last one here for this episode from Palmer Puff Daddy mm. on the O Line Committee YouTube channel. Question for you guys. Who were some of the players you played with or against that were insanely good but never got the credit they deserved? Ooh. That's a good question. Oh, instantly. Number one name comes to my mind. Delaney Walker. Who remembers mm. Delaney Walker? I yeah. mean, you want to talk. Oh. Anytime I can talk about this guy. I love him. I just saw him at the combine. He looks amazing. He was the Swiss army knife of our team back when G row was there and the F position was so important. And it was like the guy that moved all around and he knew everything you wanted him in there on the tray. You wanted him in there on the pulling counter. You wanted him in there helping pass block. You wanted him catching routes. He was one of the toughest dudes I ever met. He never got a lot of love because we had Vernon. And so Vernon was kind of our staple, but Delaney was the one that always got Vernon in the right spots or was the one that was distracting everybody else to get Vernon wide open. So it was always like, and he never once, I'm telling you right now, never once complained in a meeting. It was always like, yo, whatever it takes. He had Pomona's sunrise or uh, the sunset of Pomona tattooed on the front of his chest with the name Pomona and a drop top. He was one of the coolest <laughs> dudes you ever, he'd be, he's just always smiling. He ended up, we we're playing Seattle. He ended up catching a ball and a dude hit him and shattered his jaw in the game, right? So he's like holding his mouth, and I'm like, "Dude, are you all right?" And he's like, "Oh," and then and all of a sudden, everybody just rushed the field, took him away, he had to get his mouth wired. Oh. Came back the next year was, dude, I'm telling you right now, bad ass. Wow. Yeah, I got I got two guys that come to mind. Number one for me is, and nope, no one's probably gonna know this guy's name, but we played him in 2015. You'll know him, Mackie, Rhett Ellison. Yeah, Rhett Ellison, That's great, was one great of the hybrid, greatest sort of running tough. run blocking tight ends I'd ever played with. Like, he was the one you wanted in there because he – I mean, I've watched him pancake all pro defensive ends. He'd get lashed up on linebackers and just run them. Like, he was very, very big into the success of why Adrian Peterson was as good as he was too. Um, and then the last one for me is Lorenzo Alexander from Buffalo. Ooh. Like, he was a guy that – like, he was a special teams guy majority of his career. And then his last few years in Buffalo, he really turned it on – and became a pass rushing guy. He ran all over the place, still played special teams. It was just a tremendous leader. Like those two guys for me were like some unsung guys that never got a ton of credit, mostly because like Buffalo was awful. But Lorenzo was kind of, a, he made, I think he made a couple Pro Bowls as a special teams guy, but like his leadership on that team was bar none. Yeah. You know, Alex, you've mentioned, uh, and, and Jeremiah, did you play with Sam Bradford? I know he's number one overall oh, yeah. pick or whatever, but like I feel like. People think of Sam Bradford almost as a bust. You know, he had the weird floppy yeah. sleeves, but but you've always kind of raved about when he was wow. healthy, and That's, he was. And that was the thing, dude. He was, he was never healthy. I mean, he was behind some Ramzo lines that were getting him demolished, and so by the time that he came to us, he was pretty broken up. And that was one of the things is like that year was always really strenuous on all of us, but he was going through so much, I feel like, and we were trying to just keep him upright and, like, watching his – like, every now and then we'd pull up old film of his from the Rams and just seeing what he used to be. Like, remember when we watched him chase When he down, ran down the interception. Who was it, Roman Harper? Yeah. He catches this interception, runs 85 yards, and out of nowhere, Sam Bradford comes and decleats him. And he, so Sam's like, 
That's right. I used to have some wheels back then, and they used to tell us like he could hang clean like four hundred pounds. Yeah, he showed us video. He showed us videos of him power cleaning four hundred five. He was like a twenty and ten high school basketball player too. Like he he was was nicest guy. I mean, just super humble. Super. I love him to death. But this is like the other thing that people don't ever understand is like guys are always so broken. Like you hear people yelling, like, "Why did you make that throw?" And you're like, "Dude, you forget this guy took on like three hundred sacks before he got here. He is like." barely standing up and he's still slinging the ball downfield like there's so many guys that had to play through so many injuries and I feel like took so much heat from everybody that was like if you knew how bad this guy's back really felt I don't think you'd be saying that and it's like you just don't understand until like even myself like I was like man Sam used to be a player and then when I saw him and I talked to him he was like dude you saw some of those hits I took we played you guys twice a year you were half the reason I was getting hit like that I was like yeah (laughs) right my bad dude (laughs) Like watching Justin Smith like pick him up and body slam him, I'm like, I'm good. I don't want to be that. I don't want to do that. Yeah, <laughs> I'll just block him for you. But Poor guy. Yeah, there was no, a lot he's... of guys. I'm trying to, th- you know, I'm trying to think of who else. There had to be somebody here. I'm trying to think of anybody here that we thought that didn't. I mean, everybody here got a lot of credit. I mean, the only one I would say is Joe Berger. Oh, Berger I mean, was Joe a tough Berger. Team. He played 13 years in the NFL as an undrafted guy. guy out of Michigan Tech. Started yeah. in Miami. Came up, was a multi-year starter for, really came on that 16, 17, really 15, 16, 17, that run. Like, he was pivotal playing both guards and center. And just, I mean, it's nicest guy. Didn't get a ton of credit, but just a guy that showed up to work and every single day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, a, that's a good question. So, so we, we have a bunch stockpiled. Keep sending them. And we might, at some point, we'll probably expand with just, like, more in an episode or more yeah. episodes. We're kind of formulating our regular season plan for uh for o-line committee so if you guys have ideas for fun bits or segments or things you want to see us clown around and do or film review ideas we're constantly monitoring the uh the youtube comment section so click the like button the subscribe button and please subscribe to our apple and spotify podcast feeds too so you can get uh the the non-film review episodes there but uh good stuff dudes appreciate you guys we'll see you next back to the ice bag for jeremiah and uh back to wrangling up 11-year-old baseball players. For <laughs> That's right. Dad's back. Let's go. Outside. <laughs> Let's go. All right, guys. O-Line Committee, an offensive line lifestyle podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.